It's the Braincast, Braincast, the PopBrain.com Braincast, Braincast, listen to the show Because you're in for the PopBrain.com Braincast, Braincast, oh Hello and welcome to the Breakcast, the official podcast of the Pop Break. I'm not sure why we add the official because I'm pretty sure there's no unofficial podcast of the Pop Break, but here we are. Um, and today we will be talking about the 10th anniversary of Shutter Island, the uh, neo-noir psychological thriller, as Wikipedia describes it, um, from Martin Scorsese that came out in the year 2010. Uh, I am going to be one of your hosts today, Josh Sarnacki, and I will be joined by my Typical partner in crime, um, the Chuck to my Teddy. You get that reference if you've seen this movie. Um, and that would be my brother Aaron. Say hi, Aaron. Hello, everybody. So you better not mess with the mind like they do in this movie, though. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we're here to talk about the 10th anniversary of Shutter Island, which is kind of wild to, to think it was 10 years ago that it came out. But Aaron, you, you said before we started recording that you have a pretty clear recollection of when we first saw this. So I'll let you take it away with that. Right. So, uh, this movie came out about or 10, 10 years ago, give or take, we're recording a little bit before the anniversary. Uh, um, so, uh, it came out 10 years ago. Uh, I believe you and I saw it at the local Regal, um, mm-hmm. senior year of high school. So we would have been 17. Um, Mm-hmm. We saw the trailer for it. We were pretty excited. And, uh, yeah, um, I actually, I, I don't know if I ever told you I, I saw it again in college. Uh, a couple of friends wanted to watch it. They're like, hey, you know, we should watch this. It's really good. And I was, I was like, okay, we'll, we'll watch it again. And I'll be like, oh, okay. <laughs> it, that sounds vaguely familiar. Yeah, I might have mentioned. So this is actually my third time seeing it. So I watched it yesterday, which was Valentine's Day. So happy Valentine's Day uh, for anybody who's listening. And uh, I can't think of a more perfect Valentine's Day movie. You know, right? It's just it's so romantic and heartwarming. I mean, with, you know, Scorsese movies, you know, nobody ever cheats on their wife or accuses their brother of having an affair with their wife or anything like that. He just truly, truly has a heart of gold. And I I mean, he knows a lot about marriage since he's been married like five times. Did not know that. Okay, then. But yeah, so you you've seen it three times now. Um, This time, my reviewing of it for this was the first time I've seen it since 2010. So um, there was a lot that I didn't remember or some bits that I remembered sort of, but not all the way. And that's, uh, very, that's very different from me because I, especially the first half of this movie, I'm like, yep, I remember that. I remember that. And of course, I remember the ending because the ending is the most memorable part of the movie. Yes, that that part I did remember. Um, I totally forgot that Mark Ruffalo played um, the partner. Right. This is pre-Hulk Mark Ruffalo. Uh, so it uh, wasn't a total unknown. He had been in some pretty well-known movies the kids are all right he was in collateral as a detective um he's probably in other things that i don't know but yeah this was probably the first film that i saw him in 
maybe. Well, no, I may have seen him in um, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind before that. Oh, I did not know. He, uh, see, I have not seen that movie. And that's he plays a, a very minor role in it. Well, maybe not very minor, but somewhat minor. Uh, but this is not a podcast about that movie. So um, We will do our so, Mark Ruffalo podcast maybe someday. Yeah. I, you know what? I'd be cool with that. He, he seems like a nice guy. Um, but so having seen it again, um, do you remember how you liked this movie the first time you saw it back in 2010? Um, I remember seeing this movie in 2010 and actually being pretty mixed on it. Pretty kind of, I think I expected it to be more of a horror movie based on the trailer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think my reaction to the ending was, uh, and of course we're going to go into the spoilers because this is a podcast Naturally. about the movie. Um, I thought that the ending was too obvious in a way like like of course they did that twist it was like you would think you know but like so yeah i was pretty mixed on it when we saw it um i've liked it more every time i've seen it um i wouldn't say it's one of my favorite movies um but i think it's one of scorsese's um more underrated movies that doesn't come up a lot in his filmography. You know, usually people talk about taxi driver and Goodfellas, the departed and all those movies. Right. Right. It's not in the, the top tier. Um, so that's, that's how you felt the first time you saw it. How did you feel? Well, I guess I'll, before that, I'll talk about how I felt it the first time, which was, uh, pretty similar to you. Um, I remember I definitely also thought it was going to be more horror, which is surprising that we went for it because we don't really go for horror movies. Um, So I was a little surprised by that. Um, And yeah, I thought it was good. But I remember having a different reaction to the ending because I didn't think the ending was something that I could predict. And maybe I just felt stupid because I didn't predict it. And I was like, oh, this is dumb. I should have been able to see that coming or they didn't make it obvious enough. But that might have just been me not doing a good job paying attention to the, the many clues. So, um, but what, what did you think this time around? Well, like I said, I, I've liked it every time more. Uh, so, uh, I still, I think, I mean, I admit to being sort of an impatient movie watcher. So I think that the middle <laughs> drags, um, especially after they find quote unquote, Rachel, um, right. But uh, then when it, you know, picks up speed once they, uh, you know, focus on the lighthouse and he meets the other Rachel. <laughs> and, oh, and we'll mention Rachel or Rachel's in, uh, in that one. <laughs> There's so many Rachel's. Right. Right. There's like three Rachel's in this movie once, yeah. uh, once we get to the plot. Um, yeah. So, yeah. What about you? I liked it. It wasn't a love, definitely not a love, um, but there are definitely things I enjoyed about it. Um, I think it has a very good um, feel to it, like the very like unsettling nature. I think that's really helped by the score, although sometimes the score annoyed me because it was often very loud and intrusive sometimes, uh, but I, I did feel like that raised the tension also. Um 
Yeah, and then I don't know it's got a I think a lot of pretty good actors in it. Um, always happy to see Ben Kingsley in something. Uh, we mentioned Mark Ruffalo. Um, someone called Leonardo DiCaprio. I don't think anyone's ever heard of him, but he does pretty good. In what I think is his first film. <laughs> um, yeah, but I guess we should probably talk about what this movie is actually about before we go any farther. You know, I, I guess we didn't talk about that. So, uh, yeah, do you want to go into it or do you want me to? <laughs> uh, it's pretty simple. Um, Leonardo DiCaprio is playing uh, Teddy Daniels. He is a U.S. Marshal. He and his partner Chuck are uh, told to go to Shutter Island, which is home to an asylum for the criminally insane. And uh, they're there to find a missing uh, missing patient named Rachel Solando, who uh, murdered her children. And, um, as the movie goes on, it's revealed that things aren't what they seem. And that's about it. It's a very, you know, cut and dry description of a movie. That's not very cut and dry by the end. <laughs> yeah, it, uh, well, I'm, I don't think it starts off necessarily cut and dry. Like if you just go through the, the beats like that, it seems very cut and dry, but from the beginning there, having uh, Leo's character have a lot of dream sequences and hallucinations and a lot of other things. So you get a sense that something's off, but um, yeah, the, the mystery itself definitely doesn't unravel for a little bit. Um, so the, it's funny looking at this movie now. Uh, and I don't think I made this connection before, but do you know what it really reminds me of? What? It reminds me of Batman Arkham Asylum. Did you get that vibe at all? Well, I, I just thought I did think of like, well, this has this is an asylum. And so Arkham is probably the most famous, you know, pop culture asylum. So I didn't mm. think about that a little bit. Um, I, I was thinking that was like compared to like some of the depictions of that asylum, such as the animated version, which is actually a very functional asylum. Like, <laughs> um, I was like, wow, this, this, this asylum is one of the worst. <laughs> yeah. It's not particularly well run. Um, but yeah, so it really reminded me of that video game just cause you have the, the main character stuck on a Island um, with a criminally insane asylum. Um, right. And that game came out the year before. It 2009. Out, it, this movie apparently was supposed to be released around the same time. Uh, it was supposed to be released in like October or like November. Um, and they pushed it to March for, for, for whatever reason. Um, so those, these things almost actually came out at the same time instead yeah. of like five months apart. Right. But it was, I just noticed some parallels that it made me think of it. And then, um, while we were watching it, uh, my fiance said that it reminded her of the video game at points. I was like, and I know which video game it reminds me of that one. Um, but it was, yeah, it's, it's a very interesting movie. It, you know, another, you haven't played it, but it sort of reminds me of Max Payne also, which is about a detective with, you know, you know, a dead wife and stuff like that. So, I mean, are you allowed to be a detective without that? 
in if you're a detective in a movie, you know, you have to have some baggage, whether you're Mel Gibson in, you know, Lethal Weapon or, you know, you have to have a dead partner like in the Maltese Falcon, something like that. Right. I've never seen a happy-go-lucky detective. Right. Except, well, I was going to say Detective Pikachu, but even he's got some baggage. But this is not about that. Um, so how many films now has Leonardo DiCaprio done with Scorsese? This was either his fourth or fifth because they did Gangs Jeez. of New York together. They did The Departed. Uh, they did The Aviator. I think this was the fourth. And I think they've done five because he wasn't in Hugo, which was after this because he's a little too old for the role. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, um, I think if Scorsese could have pulled it off. He would have tried it. If he if he could have made this movie in the 80s, he would have cast, you know, Robert De Niro and, you know, Joe Pesci would have been Chuck. <laughs> and and I, I wish we could see, you know, a window into that universe where that's that was a reality. <laughs> that would be something. Yeah. I I mean, did Scorsese just adopt Leonardo DiCaprio at some point? I, it kind of seems that way, but, um, apparently he, you know, he cast him in gangs of New York, I think because of Titanic and how big a box office draw he was. And I guess he liked him. He just kept casting. Yeah. I don't, I can't think of any other actor who's so closely linked with the director other than Johnny Depp and, um, Tim Burton. Or maybe Michael Caine and Christopher Nolan, except he's not he's not ever the lead. Right. He's there. He's he steals the show, but he's not the lead. But did does Leo steal a show in this though? How do you think his performance is? I think this is one of his better performances. Um I think there are some people, I don't know how many people, but there are some people who will accuse Leo of not saying his best acting is when he's shouting <laughs> and he does do a bit of shouting in this movie. Um, but I think, you know, when, when it, when it gets emotional, when, you know, he's trying to pick up the pieces of, you know, his broken mind, I think he's pretty good. Um, I think he bounces off well of Mark Ruffalo and uh, the rest of the cast. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm inclined to say that, this is a very good performance by Leo. Yeah, and I, I would agree with that. I, I, it, it's kind of hard for me to look at him now since there was always that narrative for so long of will he ever win an Academy Award? And then he did. And so now it's like, oh, well, do we really have to worry about him anymore? He's, he's got his due. He's fine. Um, but this was back in the era when he was still kind of fishing for his Oscar. Right, because he had been nominated a few times. Like, I think the, I don't think he was nominated for Departed, but he had been nominated for like Blood Diamond, and he didn't win in that year. So, uh, and he, he'd have to wait like, like six more years before he even got one. So, <laughs> yeah, and you know that's nothing to sneeze at. I mean, he's still not gonna catch uh, Jack Nicholson anytime soon, but no. Um, but no, yeah, he's, he's pretty, he's pretty good in this. Um, were there any other performances that stuck out to you? Uh, well, we didn't really mention her yet. So Michelle Williams plays, uh, his 
sort of the apparition of his dead wife, uh, Dolores. Dolores. Uh, so she's been in some things uh, recently. She was in Venom. I think she got her start on was it Dawson's Creek? I want to say. Um, uh, sure. Yeah. So uh, she she plays a good creepy dead wife. I think. <laughs> That is some compliment there. Um, wait, was she? Uh, was was she in um, Gatsby? No, you're thinking of um, Carrie Mulligan. They look similar, uh, but no, that's not the same. Got similar haircuts. Yes, yeah, so they, they both uh, have the pixie cut sometimes. Yeah. Okay, that's why I got confused. Um, you know, yeah, she she gives a, a good performance, even though, and yeah, we we talked about this earlier that you have seen much more Scorsese than I have. Um, I feel like it doesn't really know what to do with um, her character, other than just have her be this kind of lingering motivation for Leonardo DiCaprio's character. Like, I don't know if Scorsese knows how to include women in his film, other than just to move the plot along. I think that's a fair, cause his movies are definitely very male centric. There are exceptions. Um, uh, I, I haven't seen this movie, but, uh, he, he, he has this movie. It was, it's like Alice doesn't live here anymore. Uh, that's Ellen Burstyn. She won like an Oscar for that in like the seventies. So he has done a movie or two, focused on a female character, but no, usually he has, it's mobsters, predominantly men. Right. Women are usually in the background. Uh, so that's yeah. kind of normal for him. Yeah. If you look at the, the cast of this, the really all of the, the main actress in this are only playing women that are really delegated to the role of plot device. It's, it's, it's Rachel Solando, who is the one who they're there to find. And then, kind of gets the plot along and then it's um uh Dolores um Leo's wife who's just there to haunt him. Um otherwise I don't think there's any other female character that's even named. Not that I can think of at least. Well, his daughter who was also named Rachel. Yes, oh, so many Rachels. <laughs> right. No, I I I I agree. Um again, there's so many of Someday I'll watch all of them. I know he directed The Age of Innocence that has Michelle Pfeiffer in it. Um, she's, I think, like the co-lead with uh, Daniel Day-Lewis. But again, I haven't seen that movie, so I can tell you for sure. Right. Yeah, but that that was just one of my bigger criticisms of the movie. It's just that it doesn't seem to know how to really make women characters and not just plot devices. Um, but to be fair, Scorsese also didn't write this. Um, it's written by Leda Cal. Oh, I can't pronounce that name. Leda Caligritis. Um, and yeah, she isn't, eh, she wrote a few other things. Um, but it's also based off a novel. So it so. was written by a woman. It was. And, the um, his editor, Thelma Schoonmaker is a woman. I think that's her yes. Um, it, it's based off a book by uh, Dennis Lehane, I think is how you pronounce it. Lehane, Lehane. Close enough, whatever. Uh, 
and he they made movies out of uh some of his other books uh, uh mystic river and um gone baby gone uh i've heard of those right well you i've seen those movies they're also set in boston or around boston because that's where the author's from and like stephen king he writes what he knows <laughs> you know it, it's a it's an easy way to really get into your your setting um how did you like those other movies compared to this one though they're both good movies um i think there was a lot of hype for mystic river when it came out um that's uh sean penn scored his first oscar for that movie um, it's good. I think on baby gone is better. It's again, like this movie, it's a movie very much defined by its ending, uh, without, if you haven't seen it, um, the ending to that movie is so good compared to the rest of the movie, which I was just like, eh. but once the, the got to the ending of like, wow, um, that was directed by Ben Affleck and that might've been his debut was director, but we're not, again, not we keep getting sidetracked, talk about other people's <laughs> projects. Uh, it's just so easy to do. I well, think this well, one is a little, uh, I think this is my favorite of the movies that has been, uh, adapted from, uh, Dennis Lee Hane. Okay. Fair, fair. Um, and you, you mentioned, you mentioned earlier and just again there about how the, the ending kind of defines this movie. So I'm going to go ahead and just full spoiler warning. If you haven't seen this movie yet, I'm going to basically ruin it for you. Um, so the whole deal is, as Aaron mentioned, um, Leonardo DiCaprio's character, Teddy, is on the island looking for a missing patient who later comes up, but it's not really her. It's not really important for our purposes. Um, but he's there. Um, really to find the person who he believes is responsible for killing his wife in a fire. Flash forward to the end and, or fast forward, we're not flash forwarding, uh, fast forward to the end, um, you find out that um, Leo's character, Teddy, is not actually Teddy. The person he was looking for, Andrew Latest, is actually Leo's character. Um, that he is the most dangerous patient there at the asylum and that he had been... Um, he had made up in his mind um, that there was this um, whole story. So what really happened was um, his wife killed their kids. He then killed his wife and then he um, basically lost his mind. Uh, And then at the asylum, they uh, put on this whole elaborate plan to let him play out that delusion uh, with the hope that he would finally be cured of his insanity um, and so we find out that his partner, Chuck is actually his psychiatrist. Um, and that the whole Island was in on it. And then at the end, it looks like he's going to be, I'm talking a lot. Jeez. Um, do you, do you want to talk about the very end then? I, I need a drink. <laughs> so at the very end and your perception of the ending might be a little different than mine. So at the end, um, he gives off signs that the radical treatment did not work. And the only solution to keep everybody safe from him on the asylum or in the asylum is to 
give him a lobotomy, which will pacify him. Um, though it's hinted based on his dialogue with Chuck that he is choosing to get a lobotomy um, rather than regress. He's pretending to regress. Uh, right. Because he asked the question. Um, is it better to live as a monster or die as a good man? Right. Which would appear to be hinting that he is aware of what he's done and he doesn't want to look like that anymore. Or do you not have that? Like, do you, do you think he, he regressed and that he um, believed he was Teddy again? Or do you feel like he did that on purpose? Apparently it's more ambiguous in the book, but I think it's pretty clear here that this was his choice. Yeah. Um, of course, I want to talk uh, when we're talking about ambiguous. Um, so you accept the thing, the things they tell him in the lighthouse about his wife as true. Well, not that I accept them. That's just what the movie presents. But yes, that is also something that is potentially up to interpretation of if everything in this lighthouse that he had been searching to find the answers and find his missing partner if that really is what it, when they tell him that, hey, you're actually Andrew Latus, you killed your wife, da da da, if that's true or not, I, I mean, that's what the movie tells you. But do you do you not believe that? No, I'm incline, inclined to believe that it's true, um, mostly because of the. So they explained that um, his name, his wife's name, Rachel mm. Slando's name, and. Uh, Andrew Lace's name, they're all anagrams. Right. So Teddy Daniels is an anagram for um, for Andrew Latis. Uh-huh. And then Rachel Solando is an anagram for Dolores Chanel, which is the name of um, Leo's wife's character. Right. So well, do you feel they're, like that's, they're, they're that's all... compelling? What are you saying? Wait, they're not all anagrams for each other. It's just the two. I'm pretty sure it's just the two. Oh wait, they could be. Wait, <laughs> no, no, they can't be. Oh, okay. They, no, they can't be. There's no. Well, oh wait, and it's not Teddy Daniels, is it? What's it's Edward Daniels? Edward. Oh, so maybe. Uh, I'm not sure. They could be, but but anyway, that has me convinced that it's it's it is real. Yeah. Um. No, that's that's pretty compelling evidence. I. I think that's the the best. Reason to think that, the the people working at the hospital or the the asylum are telling the truth. Do you wish it was more ambiguous then? No, not really. Um, I mean, I do think there's a very interesting and they pose this, you know, dilemma throughout that, you know, you know, when they say you're insane, they can you, you, you'd say anything and they'd be like, oh, well, of course he's saying that he's insane. Um, so that, that, that the idea that somebody could coax you into believing that you're insane is I don't know it's actually one of the like sc- 
scarier ideas in this movie. Right. Yeah, it is. Like, like we said earlier, we, we came in thinking it was going to be more horror. And it's really not. It's a psychological thriller. Right. But that is definitely a frightening thought that's presented in the movie. I, I have a question. Um, so we're backing up. I know we just we talked about the ending. When he meets the second Rachel Solando in the cave. Yes. And she talks. So a big part of Teddy slash Andrew's backstory is that he was um at the liberation of a nazi death camp um and uh you know he talks about you know that you know the nazis obviously did experiments on their prisoners you know executed stuff like that and rachel tells him that similar things are going on at Shutter Island, that they're experimenting on people's minds, that they're going to, you know, use them for, you know, you know, nefarious purposes, um, the government and stuff like that. Um, and that's when he goes into the lighthouse, that's what he thinks he's saving Chuck from. So my question to you is if that was actually the case, would that be more satisfying to you or do you like this twist better? That is a good question. And I was thinking about that as I was trying to remember what my initial feelings were about it. And other than feeling frustrated that I didn't see the ending coming and seeing the twist coming, I think part of me was also frustrated that it wasn't that clear cut, that it wasn't just, um, that they're running experiments here and that um, Leo's character is there to stop them and needs to prevent what he saw um, happen during the war happen here in the United States. I, part of me really wanted to be like that. Maybe just because it's more clear cut. Who's the good guy. Who's the bad guy, um, which is easier to swallow. So do I think that would have made a better ending? It may have made it more satisfying but I don't know if it would have made it more um, not entertaining, but I don't know if it would have made it better. Uh, what do you think? It's hard to tell because that's like, that's such an interesting scene when she's like telling us like, you know, they've been slipping you things in, you know, your aspirin and, you know, even your cigarettes are laced with, you know, psychotropic drugs. Um, so part of me kind of, I, I'm conflicted because I really like the ending of this movie, but I also just to think of what have, could have been the ending of this movie. Right. It would have been, but I don't addictive. know. Like what, what if that had happened and he gets to the lighthouse, would he just have killed everybody? Like what, how would that have been resolved? That's a good question that I was trying to figure out. I keep saying that's a good question. You ask good questions on this podcast, Aaron. Um, but I, I feel like it would have had to have turned into some action movie of some sorts or maybe going back to um, his flashbacks during his time um, liberating the concentration camp where he um, helps in um, killing uh, all the guards there at the camp. Um, 
I wonder if they would have gone that route of mirroring it by showing just like he killed all those guys there. Um, he feels like he needs to do that again here. Um, and they do make a point that they say he is very violent. You know, even the wardens like you are a violent man. And of course, I want to talk about the warden for a second. Oh my so. goodness, what the heck? Yeah, so we the, just talk about him. The warden for also, you know, who the actor who plays him is. Uh, I just looked it up, but you tell me unless there's something else you had in mind for him. I think it's Ted Levine. Yeah. He played Buffalo Bill in Silence of the Lambs. Okay. Yeah. That's what I just saw. Which to see him as a warden of an insane asylum is very ironic. (laughs) Yes. But at the same time, he is pretty unhinged or it's, it's hard to tell if he's faking how weird he is or that's how he really is so he gives uh leo this huge speech that you know you know society keeps men like them from committing the violence that they're naturally inclined to and that god created men to make violence in his honor and then he goes and says if it was between you and me who would you know who would um, survive? And, yeah. and then, he, then he, he ends it with a, if I, you know, dug my teeth into your eye, could you pull me off of you before I blinded you? <laughs> yeah. I think that was the part of the movie that drew me out the most. Because like, what the heck is this coming from? Who is this guy? What is his problem? And why it just, it was totally unnecessary. Did you remember that part? No, not at all. You see, since again, I had seen it before. I remembered so many things like that. I I remembered small things like his wife telling him you kill him dead, (laughs) like really small things. Like I remembered that. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, no, if, if I had a drink in my hand while I was seeing that scene with the warden, I would have done a, like a classic spit take because I, I have no idea what was going on there. Like, I don't, yeah, no clue. Uh, but it was interesting. All right. But yeah, just weird things with this movie. What, what um, are the, uh, I think it goes without saying because obviously Scorsese is a very, you know, into classic cinema. I would think that, you know, when he was making this movie, it was inspired by, you know, German expressionism, stuff like that. Like, and you, you haven't seen The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, have you? Uh, I don't know if I've even heard of that before. It's a silent movie about, um, like, an insane patient. So it's and, – and it has, like, a twist ending. So it's very similar – to this, mm. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he was drawn to this script because of that movie. Um, but just like the the visuals of his dreams, uh, things like I think at one point, uh, well, there, there's the thing with like his wife, obviously, like disintegrating into ash. Um, yeah, that's an age well. That looked bad. I don't think it was supposed to look real. Okay. I think actually the CGI in this movie 
I don't know. I don't think there's that much CGI in this movie outside of the dream sequences and the storm. And since the storm is dark and rainy, I think it still looks pretty good. I think the storm looks fine. There's a few other things that I didn't like. What, like when at. he's climbing on the mountains, you think like, oh, he's not probably climbing those. Really. No, I, I can't remember. There was one thing in particular that I thought looked rushed, but I, I can't remember what it was but definitely the the part where his his wife disintegrated was again it, it's i my defense is you know it's expressionistic it's not supposed to look real when um but yeah that that just i wouldn't be surprised if that was inspired by you know you know germ expressionism uh i think at one point his cigarette the smoke of a cigarette actually is flowing back into the into the cigarette backwards Yes, there was a few times that happened. I and, uh, I know I like stuff like that. Um, that kind of reminds me of. I keep mentioning movies you haven't seen. It reminds me a little bit of the stuff that uh, Coppola did in his Dracula movie, where like uh, Dracula's shadow is like moving apart from him. So like when he's talking to Jonathan Harker, like. His shadow is like reaching out, but he doesn't oh. notice it. So there's there's like really you know funky stuff like that. Um, but I feel like I mean that could be a a vampire thing. Can't vampires do that? Control their shadows? Maybe. Oh, Dracula has so many powers in that movie um, okay. and in the book, so it's it's totally possible. Yeah, um, but for this. It, there was one other, and I, I may have just missed this, when it was either Teddy or maybe the German doctor played by um, Max von Max Sydow. Von Sydow. Yeah. Is it Sydow? Or, I don't know. I think it's Sydow. I have, I have no idea. Um, but somebody's like drinking a glass of something, and it looks like in the next shot, like the glass disappears. Did you notice that, or am I just making things up? No, you didn't make that up at all. That's that's what happens. Uh, I did okay, good. So I'm not going crazy. And of course, I'm not sure exactly what that's supposed to mean because she clearly asks for the glass, but in the next oh, shot, it's right. not there. Right. It's neither of them. It's the the one person they're interviewing. Right. The and it, it's ironic because it's like the most sane seeming of the patients. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I guess I, I was wrong. She's the other um, uh, woman in the film that does have a named role. Um, but yeah, that I don't understand the point of that. I think it was just supposed to show either how unhinged Teddy was or how un- unhinged she was, but I'm not sure which. Yeah, that that strikes me as a little silly considering how up in arms people get about um, like continuity errors and things like that. It's like, okay, we're going to put an unintentional one in here. Um, that doesn't really make a difference. So I don't know. It's just kind of like a wink. At go, the camp. Go, going back to, um, yeah, I, I think it was very much intentional. I, uh, unless they're like, she's not holding a, I mean, they can't be. They wouldn't be like, oh, just pantomime and we'll put it in. It's like, no, it was intentional. <laughs> they did CG for the glass of water. Um, no. Um, one thing else I 
I just, I think was inspired by, um, classic cinema, but I could be wrong. It's just when he's going up the lighthouse and just like, it's, it reminds me, we, we both watched Vertigo, right? Yeah. Does it remind you of him going up, especially, particularly the last time in that movie when he goes up the bell tower? Yeah, yeah, it's definitely And Vertigo was a favorite of Scorsese's, so I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Well, according to Wikipedia, that he was trying to pay homage to Alfred Hitchcock's works and also the uh, the, the movie you mentioned earlier, The Cabin of Dr. Calgary. Yeah. Calgary. See, Scorsese, you're so obvious. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell him that. He, any, I mean, this is the guy who, in The Aviator, made the grass a certain color to match how it looked, you know, in film during that period. Is this so? Goodness. But is this movie like a theme park ride? You know, that's really what I was going to say, uh, you know, can you really like a movie by Scorsese? He dissed your Marvel movies. I'm a little bitter about that still. Right. Come on, man. Let people enjoy what they enjoy. I should just came in here and just rip this movie apart. Take that Scorsese. But I won't. I'll show restraint. So one thing we haven't mentioned yet um, that I think is important is so this came out in 2010. And it's the same year that another, um, I guess it's a psychological thriller of sorts, um, with Leonardo DiCaprio came out. A little indie film called Inception. That... That, that that is sort of the elephant in the room. I don't, but people may or may not have forgotten that this movie existed in part because of that other movie. But for me, that that whenever I think about this movie, it's always the elephant in the room because of the similarities. It was the year that Leonardo DiCaprio lost his mind. <laughs> I mean, I guess the other one was when he was. Howard Hughes, but yeah. So if we're talking about similarities between these movies in both movies, he has a dead wife. He's haunted by images of his children. The ending is pretty ambiguous and it's all about the psychology of his character. Um, both of these were actually hits though. Um, this movie had like an $80 million budget and it almost made like 300 it's still Scorsese's best opening um, at the box office. How, oh. However, um, the more expensive movie, uh, Inception, also did much better, almost raking in like a billion dollars. Yeah, well, <laughs> Inception is a very different – well, I, we say they're so similar, but then Inception is a lot more action-packed and more blockbustery than this. Right. Um, and I remember when we saw Inception and uh, we talked or I remember mentioning Shutter Island right after we came out of the theater. And, oh, yeah. And comparing this and comparing it and saying, you know, how I like this movie better or, or that movie better. But of course, when we saw Inception, I was also like, I'm not sure exactly what I saw. <laughs> Was anyone really sure what they saw? Probably not. Is the anyone first time. still really sure what they saw? Probably not. Um, I though I think both of these movies are movies that benefit from seeing multiple times. Oh, definitely. Even though I couldn't remember a lot, 
Um, I was glad that I had some familiarity with this movie. So I had a sense of where things were going and could pick up on some things. So it was definitely a different experience viewing it a second time. Do you have any other comments, you know, about similarities or differences between the movies? I know you said it's Inception, you know, even though there's like an hour talking is an action movie and this is not an action movie. Right. It's it's interesting to me. You, you mentioned how uh, the difference in how much money they made. Um, just also Inception was a lot, not a lot, but it was it was more well received than true. But Shutter Island Shutter. was well received. It just it wasn't as well received like Inception made a ton of money. It also was nominated for best original screenplay. This didn't get any awards or any nominations, right. but it also came out in March. Right. But the, the, the national board of review awards, which I'm not entirely sure what that is, but they, they ranked both inception and shutter Island as, um, two of the 10 best movies that came out in 2010. So, okay. So they did get one award, but not, well, that, that wasn't any, really award as much as recognition, but. not that one, anybody is likely to remember. <laughs> yeah, I don't think there's a trophy for being one of the tenth best films. Um, I I definitely enjoy Inception more, partially because of the action. Um, it is just very interesting to think about what Leonardo DiCaprio and his agent were were thinking when they decided to go for two films having him play somewhat similar characters. Right. And it's sort of like there are years and these happen, these happen more than you would think where it's like two movies that are very similar come out. Usually they don't star the same actor there, but you know, I think the most famous example would be deep impact and Armageddon, which is both, both about a, a giant asteroid about to destroy the earth. There was also volcano and Dante uh, Dante's peak, which are both about, a volcano eruption. Um, there, there are tons of examples like that. Mm-hmm. Those examples sound really dumb. I'm, I, I, no offense to those movies. I have not they're, seen they're, them. They're, just on they're 90s disaster movies. Oh my gosh. But yeah. And I think it is fun. Oh, there, oh, there was also what? 2000, two different companies made, uh, Mission to Mars movies, Mission to Mars movies, Red Planet and Mission to Mars. Oh, gosh. Yeah. So (laughs) this stuff happens more than you would think. And this is why we have sequels to everything. These people don't have any ideas. But I the the other big similarity between this inception that I think is is fun is how much dreams play a part in them. Um, Obviously, Inception's all about going into dreams and a lot of um, Leo's character in Shutter Island um, is motivated by his dreams or has um, his delusions experienced in his dreams. So I think that is another fun parallel. Both movies have a dream within a dream. You know what they do, but you don't actually get to build a dream in this one. You're just kind of, kind of there. And you don't have Joseph Gordon-Levitt there. Or maybe that's in the extended cut. So, yeah, that joke didn't really land, did it? But we... 
Yeah, so this, yeah, just a strange movie, but it's, I like it overall, I, I would say. No, I, I like it. Um, I like it too. Um, like I said, I think it's one of Scorsese's more uh, underrated movies. Um, thinking about how it fits into him as, you know, a director, um, I don't, there's still part of me that it's not, it's definitely the most psychological thing that I've seen from him. I mean, there's definitely, Taxi Driver has, you know, it's like a character study, so it's all about the psychology of that character. And then The Aviator is all about uh, Howard Hughes losing his mind because of his obsessive-compulsive disorder. Um, But I don't know, there's still, like... I don't know, this, this movie is so, like genre i feel like for scorsese i mean other than crime uh, yeah other than crime i mean like he always he does like okay it stars leo leo has a boston accent which he also did you do you think his accent was good does he not naturally have a boston accent oh okay so you must have thought it was good i I, don't, I just feel like he's a boston accent and everything no he he does i'm pretty sure he, he he doesn't have a Boston accent. Okay. Then I guess it was good. Okay. Or so, I'm just terrible noticing accents. Right. So, because uh, he also had a Boston accent in The Departed. Um, um, so there's, th- there's those things. Um, it has an unhappy ending, which is very typical for Scorsese. I don't. You don't think someone getting a lobotomy on purpose is a happy ending? The only movie I can think of his that has a happy ending is Hugo. And that's because it's a family movie. The one movie he made for his grandkids. <laughs> yeah. How would that be as a nice it's, present to your grandkids? Right. right so Here, life is terrible. Take this movie, get out of my home. Um, I don't know. I was just thinking also of like tropes. Uh, I, I mentioned uh, an unhappy marriage is a uh, trope in, Scorsese movies usually people either cheat on their wives or they, you know, dump their wife and marry their mistress or, you know, accuse their brother of having an affair with their wife um, or just having like an unhealthy, you know, obsession with a woman who isn't married to them. So that's, uh, (laughs) That's pretty. Uh, that's pretty standard for him. But um, he's also known for his tracking shots. Um, but the only one I can think of is when they all lined up the guards and shot them. That's like okay, that's a classic Scorsese's tracking shot. I mean, his most famous is the one in Goodfellas where they're all following him. Uh, Ray Liotta. He's introducing his girlfriend that everybody in the uh, in the bar. Uh, but that's the only one I could think of. Um, I can't think of any other like trademark style moments for him. Uh, again, um, I, I, if you know people who've seen more of his movies, feel free to leave any comments. If you noticed any, you know, Scorsese tropes in this movie. Um, like I said, uh, he has like a 50 year career. So I'm, I'm a little short on uh, all his movies. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm no help to you at all because I've only seen like three of them. Right, but again, it, it, like it's, it's a it's a period piece. Most of his movies seem to be. Um, so yeah, 
Um, do you have any additional thoughts, I think, uh, before we wrap this up? Uh, I mean, after hearing all that, you're making me think that Martin Scorsese is the one that needs to be on this island. Um, but no, he, I, I don't know if this is a movie I ever feel like I need to watch again, necessarily. And I don't know if I would call it entertaining, but I would call it a good movie. Do you know what I mean? Right. It's it's not a happy movie. It's not a movie you go to feel good about yourself. I'm particularly watching it this time, uh, the scene where he finds his children in the oh, lake gosh. drowned is r- really pulls on your heartstrings. And I can only imagine watching that as a parent. I do think that is potentially the best scene in the film where Leo gives his best performance. Right. Uh, but and, and, is, and just when his wife says like, like her school is in on Saturdays, it's just your heart sinks. Right. And that's also uh, Michelle Williams does a really good job in that scene too. And then, yeah. and, then, and then like, there's just so many things in that scene. Like the gunshot is so loud. And... Yeah. Oh, so, yeah that... like, like I said, uh, this is like when I was talking to, our mom about Cujo and I was explaining the plot to that. And that's like about like a, a mom, like protecting her, her son from like a rabid dog. And I can just like tell us like when you're a parent, like these things are like, they, they affect you differently. Yeah. So maybe, you know, rewatching this movie in like 10 or 15 years, I might have a different perspective. Right. Right. Yeah, and yeah, this movie is a downer. <laughs> well, I mean, really, we have a, a asylum for the criminally insane. We have a guy who murders his wife. We have the Holocaust. I like. I don't know what more you need to make this. Yeah, you watch this on Valentine's Day. Come on, man. Right. They talk about the the atom bombs, like cities turned to ash and stuff like that. Gosh. What, what's an atom bomb? How's an, uh, a hydrogen bomb work? With hydrogen. <laughs> I feel like I need to go eat a tub of ice cream after watching this movie. But I always feel like I need to do that. So that's maybe not out of the ordinary. But any closing thoughts on this before I go get my ice cream? Um, just that um, I'm, I'm going to keep telling you to watch more Scorsese movies. Uh, you know, I told you, go, go watch... If you want another, you know, psychological movie from him, go to watch Taxi Driver or The Aviator. Um, those really, you know, dig deep into the minds of those characters, but not 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 nearly <laughs> as crazy as this movie. I, I am boycotting Scorsese until he writes me a handwritten apology for being mean to Marvel. I'm I waiting. Mean, you know, it said he was going to talk with Bob Iger. I don't know if this happened. We'll see. You know, maybe in a couple of years he'll direct a Marvel movie. <laughs> I don't know if I want him to. That just sounds like the most miserable Marvel movie ever. Wait, okay, I'm going to put this question out there. If if Scorsese was to make a Marvel movie, which character do you think he'd want to do? Ooh, I feel like he would want to pick the most tortured character, but I feel like... They already did like Daredevil and the Punisher, so I can't think of anybody. Well, those those were going to be my first two thoughts too. I don't know is there is there a is there a Boston character he can do? Well, he's not a Boston guy. 
He's in, he's, New York, in New York. He's in a new. Yeah, these movies are the exception. Right. So he okay, probably so would have picked somebody from New York. So, so so Daredevil would be perfect then. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, those would probably be the best ones that I can think of. I can't see him doing Captain America. Or Squirrel Girl. That's what I want to see. But, yeah, I I don't necessarily have a huge desire to watch more Scorsese, but um, I can't deny that he is a talented filmmaker. Right, and um, this was actually the first movie... <laughs> Of his that I had seen. Um, and I actually, I don't think I'd ever heard of him before this movie. And then the trailer, they're like, you know, from Martin Scorsese, you know, one of the most celebrated filmmakers. I'm like, I've never heard of him. Which is, <laughs> which is funny because, you know, I knew I'd heard the taxi driver and probably heard of the aviator. Um, and, but thinking of that now, especially like having gone to, you know, the school for, film the the idea of not hearing of not knowing martin scorsese is like absurd to me because he's you know the most celebrated director of his generation besides spielberg to be fair he's not exactly known for making kids movies right <laughs> that's fair um but yeah uh just 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 one small thought before we go i know you said that with the the ending you were mad that you didn't get it or that you didn't predict it but i actually thought from the trailer and with the who is you know 67 like th- that's what my mind immediately went to is oh he's actually a patient you you didn't catch that but yeah i i i can't go back and maybe my, in your mind you just thought it was so obvious that it wouldn't even cross your mind Maybe, and maybe just part it of me. It was so really, obvious it wasn't obvious. Yeah. And I think I just really wanted it to be that, um, that story of Teddy Daniels breaking in and um, uncovering the truth behind this conspiracy. Right. That sounds more like a cure for wellness, uh, which I heard is pretty bad. But that's if you're talking about a more like there's stuff going on in this asylum and we have to figure it out. That's more the movie you're talking about. Right. So I think it was more just what my expectations were going in and then having those not met, but going in this time, I definitely had a a more appreciation for it. So that was our talk on shutter Island. Um, so yeah, if you haven't checked that movie out, um, we've already spoiled it for you, so don't even bother watching. No, it's it's worth a watch. Um, but I don't know what we have planned next. If we are ready to announce that, do you think or should we keep the people guessing, Aaron? Uh, we should keep them guessing, but um, I will say that um, if you're expecting the next few movies for us to talk about to be good, well, the next movie at least, to be good, um, yeah, it's... The, the one we have planned is not a good movie, <laughs> which will be fun to talk about. Oh, gosh, I can't. Now I can't remember what we have planned. OK, well, I I'll look tell you once we're done recording. <laughs> OK, yeah, we'll keep it a secret. Keep it on the down low. Uh, but yeah, so look forward to that next time or uh, next month, hopefully. Um, in the meantime, always make sure to, to listen here to the, the break cast for the, the latest podcasts um, from the website. 
Um, it's no longer Oscar season, so you probably won't be hearing from Matt and Marissa anytime soon. But you know what? Go ahead and uh, check out what their predictions were for the Oscars and, and how they fared. Um, and then the wrap of the, the award. Um, that was a very entertaining podcast that I'd highly recommend. Um, then you've got some other podcasts coming up. So um, I am doing a monthly podcast with um, our new TV editor, Alex, as well as editor-in-chief Bill on TV each month. So uh, check that out in your podcast feeds coming up soon. And yeah, just kind of keep an eye on things because we always have more content coming out. And uh, make sure always to check out the popbreak.com or is it it's just popbreak.com. There's no dot in the um, I need to It's at popbreak.com on Twitter. It's the popbreak.com as the actual website. There we go. Yeah. Well, I I need to end this podcast before I should put my words anymore. Um, but yeah, so make sure to check that out for the latest news, reviews, and any um, interviews. Did I got the old rhyme? I think I did. I feel good about that. Um, Aaron, where can these people find you? So uh, I'm on Twitter at Aaron Sarnecki. It's just my name. There's no frills about it. Um, I did a brief uh, review of the uh, season three premiere of uh, The Sinner, which is another happy, you know, bit of media. Um, so if you want to read that, you can. Um, and uh, hopefully, you know, I'll have another review of something in the next few months. We'll see. Nice. And you can find me at Josh Janecki on Twitter. I'm very bad about posting anything. So apologies. There's not much to see there at the moment, but um, I will likely be sharing my um, latest edition of the couch potato, which is my monthly op-ed for the site. Um, this month I am talking about um, the Witcher and how it compares to um, Hollywood's lackluster history of uh, film ad- uh, video game adaptations. So if you're interested in The Witcher video game movies or just want to read what I wrote, uh, make sure to check that out, uh, hopefully in the next week or two. Um, Aaron, any other thoughts before we wrap up? Uh, no, I think you, you pretty much covered it. Just um, have, have a good day, everybody, and uh, hopefully, you know, Nothing crazy like this in this movie happens to you. Yeah. And, and hopefully you all watched uh, less dark movies for Valentine's Day. So happy belated Valentine's Day and make sure to check out the podcast next time.